This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two just absolutely fantastic people. Kara Shamborski. Hey. And Kate Scotchless. Hello. Kate is back. There have been people literally sending me pigeons, letters, <laughs> text messages. Someone got a hold of my actual phone number, sent me a message, said, where's Kate? And I said, you guys, I'm trying. She's very, very deep in the studies of the arcane magics known as computer science, but she will be back. And this week, she's back. Yeah. Thank I hope God. everyone's excited. <laughs> it's been a semester, folks. Yeah. Oof. I, I believe it. And you know, this is the last full episode of the year, so we got to make it the best one that we possibly can. Because, you know, honestly, the next two episodes of this year are really great. Um, Nick and I did a mini-sode. Kara and Paul did a mini-sode. But this is the last, like, quote-unquote, full episode of the year. So we're going to make it the best show that we possibly can. And to do that, I'm going to ask the question I ask every single week, and I know I haven't asked the two of you in quite a while. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with Kara. This is the first time my voice has worked in four and a half days because I was once again blessed with laryngitis. Oh, no. <laughs> and when I told my coworkers that I I, ha- I had it, they're like, well, okay, well, well, like by telling, I mean like writing them little post-it notes. <laughs> and they're oh. like, oh, well, I hope that you're relaxing this weekend and that you feel better. I'm like... I hope so, too, because I'm recording a podcast and one of my friends just looked at me for a second and then very slowly she said, the one media that is totally audio. <laughs> yeah, if this were a video show, we would just have your I very would just, I would just wonderful mime. facial expressions. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was told that it's okay that I lost my voice because I have very eloquent expressions <laughs> I, I would never be a good poker player because you know exactly what I'm thinking. Like, even when I think I've got it all on lockdown, people are like, are you okay? And I'm like, mm. <laughs> like, like, don't I, don't I have, don't I have, like, basically only if I'm wearing like enormous sunglasses, can I hide what's going on? So right, right. know that if you ever see me with enormous sunglasses and it's not super sunny out, it's because mentally my brain's going, shields up, Captain. Oh, because you're doing something super nefarious. That's what it is. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I saved my voice for this show. I was adamant about being on this show. <laughs> I was like, this is the only time I've been on this month. God damn it, I'm going to be there. And of course, I couldn't miss Kate's reintroduction. And, you know, I I have to know, Kate, since you're paying all this money to get educated at a higher level, what is a nugget of wisdom you can share with us from your learnings this semester? Um, I, well, my big nugget of collegiate wisdom is don't pay for it yourself. Because uh, <laughs> I don't pay for it myself and it makes all the suffering better. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> that okay, just makes everything worse. Right. <laughs> All right, life advice from Kate Scotchless, don't pay <laughs> yeah. for it. Get scholarships, get learned. Yeah, the the problem with that, though, is you got to keep doing well and maintain a full case uh, course load to keep that money flowing. And but let's be honest, That's Kate, where I, the suffering lives. You're doing well, though. You're doing, you're doing well. You're keeping up those grades for them scholarships, right? Grades aren't in yet for this semester, Mike. <laughs> don't jinx this. me. You got this. We're not jinxing you. Only good I'm vibes. Sorry. I'm Only sorry. good vibes. Uh, okay, so I will, I will talk about comics i just needed to get some free wisdom there that's Um, fine so i am reading uh i'm almost done reading sledgehammer 44 Mm -hmm. which is mike mignola's like world war ii jam that he did a couple years ago i guess (laughs) okay yeah it's uh mike mignola john arcudi artist jason latour lawrence campbell color steve stewart cover artist mike mignola a few years ago i went deep on the Magnola verse, I read every freaking Hellboy book that was out. I read all of BPRD. I read Witch Hunter. Whoa. I read Abe Sapien. If it was out, I read it. And then I stopped for like three years, like right around the time Hellboy and Hell came out. I just kind of stopped reading because basically I was reading whatever the library had. So if it was new, I wasn't reading it. Yeah. I was going back matter. And then uh, I just kind of stopped following that verse for a while but it was always one of my favorite properties i just didn't revisit it for whatever reason but also slowly i'm still collecting the library editions because they're so beautiful oh yeah so beautiful um but i hadn't read sledgehammer 44 
And Nick actually told me to read it because he was like, you like World War II, you should read this thing. And I was like, yes, go on. Yeah, so, Nick's, Nick's been doing a big deep dive on the Hellboy universe as well. So I'm sure you guys have exchanged quite a bit of discussion about that. Well, it's just, so this, so first of all, Mignolaverse, yes. And second of all, World War II, yes. And I don't know how I didn't know about this, but it's like everything that I love in one book. It's basically like the thing that I like about the Mignolaverse is that it's all this like deep, dark, mystic shit happening and the protagonist always punches it. Like it, it, it's not like a sorcerer versus sorcerer thing. It's always right. like the protagonist is going to have like some kind of like short quippy thing that Han Solo would say and then just punches the thing. And that's it. It's just such an amusing dichotomy to me. So mm-hmm. uh, that very much continues in Sledgehammer 44. It's this it's World War Two, but there is this suit of armor that the allies have created that is like like top secret and you start seeing it through like backup missions from allied soldiers and our story kind of gears up when the man piloting this suit dies but because this suit is powered by this mystical life force thing he like when he dies, he has, like, an interaction with a soldier near him who is, like, also on the brink of death. And mm-hmm. they do this weird, like, merge thing where the soul of the dying man merges and fuses with the armor and the life force thing. So everyone still thinks there's a dude inside the armor, but it's really the armor embodied now by the soul of this man who should have died, but instead got fused to this thing. And that is that is pure mystic shit. I love it. It's so fucking cool. <laughs> and then the suit of armor like goes on to fight this like flaming black skull mystic Nazi dude in the middle of the sky in the middle of a thunderstorm. And I'm like, somebody make this shit into a movie right the fuck now. Like, <laughs> why are you making remaking Hellboy again when you could yeah. be doing this? Like, what is your problem? There's a Nazi war in the sky happening right now. So. <laughs> It's good, is is my bottom line on this. Uh, I still have a few more pages to go, but the the collected version is quite long. It's like uh, it's like a hundred and forty, hundred eighty pages, something like that. Okay. So I'm almost okay. finished, but as you can see, I'm I'm like into it. I'm hyped. That's awesome. You're you're selling me on it. This sounds like a really cool thing that I should check out. Just it's like so all cool. the Hellboy universe. Though. It's so cool, Mike. <laughs> well, Kate. Welcome back. Thank Very you. Very excited to have you here. Thank you, thank you. How have you been? How have comic books been? I mean, could you just sum up the last few months very quickly and then tell us about comics? <laughs> oh, um, so the reason I've been MIA is because I had a really exciting semester where I was doing my graduate uh, project, which is like the kind of capstone event of my thing. Even though it's a semester early, I don't actually graduate until next April. Um, Mm -hmm. But I got permission to do that early. So I was working on that research and then also uh, working as a research assistant and working as a intern and doing full time classes. And I have not read comics for like a semester. So my first dip back in was reading the book of the month for this month to talk about Mm -hmm. today, which was a fantastic reintroduction. It was like, oh yeah, this is why I love and miss comics. Yeah. Um, but other than that, Xander, who's usually so heroic and amazing, shared his germs with me. And <laughs> so he and I have spent this weekend uh, post exams, vegging on the sofa, eating popsicles and moaning. And <laughs> so I've been watching comics material instead of reading it because other mm-hmm. than the book of the month, because yep. my brain is that good old fashioned like sludge that cotton ball event. I took a lot of Sudafed for this episode. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I'm good to go for like two hours. Thank you for, it, for making this happen. Thank you for suffering. <laughs> so I watched I Kill Giants, which has been on my list for forever because yeah. I. Didn't they announce that they were going to make that movie like years ago and yeah, then just didn't for forever? It's been on the slate for a long time and then it finally happened like this past year, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what did you think? Oh, so I Kill Giants is probably my all time favorite graphic novel. Well, collected edition, whatever. Um, and 
so it's a very different experience watching the movie and I felt like the I didn't relate to the character as much on screen when it's not being told from her perspective like it is in the comic and so she wasn't quite as immediately likable um, and relatable and then the overall emotional impact I think as a result was less for me um, where with the comic I ugly cried I mean ugly ugly cried (laughs) and then with the movie not a drop. So that was the real clincher for me. It was at the end when I was dry out. I was like, well, I, I don't know that it had the same effect. That being said, I already knew what was going to happen. But yeah. I've reread I Kill Giants and had the same experience. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I liked it. It was worth a watch. I can see why it didn't get amazing reviews from people who weren't already invested in the series. And then we also started watching uh, Sabrina, which I wanted to watch in October, but of course had no time for. Mm-hmm. And that's like, it's getting creepier than my my usual creep level tolerance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I watched the, I just finished up the whole season. I think you said you were a few episodes Is in. Like three episodes. Yeah. Okay. And I did read volume one of The Chilling Adventures. So. Okay. Okay. I mean, the spook levels only get higher. Perfect. I'll say that. But um, I think they, you know, I, I won't say anything else. I, the spook levels get a little bit higher, but it's ultimately super worth watching the rest of it if you can put yourself through a couple spooks and scares here and there i mean the spiders mike the spiders oh that's only one episode don't worry oh my god it was bad (laughs) gary you also watched all this because you wrote like a big thesis piece on this right i yeah i mean yeah so i i actually just watched the sabrina holiday special last night and okay that that was that was good and that made me feel like maybe sabrina would function better i'm I'm gonna make this as spoiler free as possible because i know kate Mm -hmm. hasn't seen the whole thing but i feel like the show would function better as a monster of the week thing which is kind of what they did with the holiday special whereas Mm -hmm. the the first season just structurally felt like it dragged because it was just like watching one long movie and i know there were like a couple monster of the week episodes and i kind of want them to just do that for a season or two and see what happens now that gotcha. i've seen the format of the holiday special and really enjoyed that um it did have the feel to me like other netflix shows that are basically 10 hour movies yeah yeah and i just when is this show i know it's supposed to be like mid 60s <laughs> but, oh, yeah, but that's in the, the holiday ep- but in the holiday episode they made references to the grinch which did come out in the mid 60s as a tv special and earlier as a book so i'm like cool but was the grinch like the recognizable cultural icon that it is now at that time and then they also made an elf on the shelf reference and i'm like 90 percent sure elf on the shelf is a contemporary phenomenon um the cousin also has a laptop in one of the first episodes yeah they're not very specific about the time because that's what i was saying to kelly because kelly and i were watching it and we were i was like oh yeah this is gonna take place in like the 60s and then someone whips out a laptop and i was like wait what yeah (laughs) but like but didn't it's i feel like they specifically said this took place in the mid 60s which is why when they were like yeah we're gonna have a riverdale crossover i was like how yeah yeah questions to be answered in season two i guess God, so many questions <laughs> well okay i did you did you, are you enjoying sabrina outside of the spooks and scares yes so after the spooks and scares when it got too close to bedtime then we had to switch to doing charmed <laughs> okay, <laughs> which is okay. significantly less nightmare inducing the gotcha. 90s nostalgia is strong <laughs> cool well i'm glad that you've had some like i guess relaxation time since exams because you know it's only going to kick back into high gear in january right yeah i mean it should be slightly less brutal because my uh, master's project is done right right well that's good i'm glad you got to consume something that was good you know and you got a couple weeks until then so for as for me um i read a, a whole bunch of stuff um i've been trying to just get rid of a bunch of backlog things that i've got so i started in reading um, Southern Bastards. I read Southern Bastards Volume 1. This is from Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. And the way that I describe this book is it's a book that doesn't just take place in the South, but it's a story from the South. Like, it's it's really harsh. It's really rough and gritty. And it doesn't feel like this is a story that just happens to take place in the st- South. It feels like it belongs in the South. And really only people who live in the South truly understand it. Um, 
And I, I don't know, this is a book that's been out for a long time and I've just been putting off reading it, but I'm really glad that I sat down to read it because it's it was very good. I liked it. I liked how brutal it was. I liked how in your face they were without about like real life subjects without being like spending too much time on like, oh, this is, you know, everyone down here is racist. Like that's not like the focus of it. The focus is that people in the South can be really shitty sometimes. And sometimes you have a legacy that you need to hold up for for. The only reason being your pride. I don't know. It, it's a really weird book for the, four issues. It was very weird. The thing that I think hits me the most about that book is it's so atmospheric. And I don't know about you, Mike, but when I read it, I just feel that this like sticky humidity that yeah, must yeah. be infusing this whole town. Like That's just the feeling I get. It's, it's one of the books that creates kind of a visceral atmospheric draw. Mm -hmm. at least for me yeah and i think the like the credit for that goes to like the really subtle color work that they do there's a lot of red in this book um but like a lot of different shades of red um that kind of actually reminds me of what was also done in um oh the book about witches that i cannot think of right now and not witches not <laughs> redlands. witches redlands is what i'm thinking of the the Jordi belair book um where they they did a lot with like using the same or different shades of the same color to try to depict like the weight of something in a scene and i definitely think southern bastards did that and man it's it's solid i'm, I'm ready to read the rest of it um it's queued up essentially for me but uh, i also read coming to me number four this is uh from zach thompson and lonnie nadler on writing with peter kowalski on art and if you haven't been reading this book this is the final issue it's only a four issue miniseries uh the story is essentially taking the body horror, weird, mind-melding, consciousness, acid trip to the next level and in this final issue. And boy, oh boy, what an ending it was. I don't want to spoil it. I really think people should should definitely go read it. Um, and I think this might be my favorite comic from 2018. Like, I definitely think this is one of the best constructed comics I've read in a while. Black Mask is fucking killing it this year. I'll just say that. And this is one of their top-tier books. Um... I'll just say that. I mean, man, what a, what a crazy psychedelic ending they had to come into me number four. I really enjoyed it. So if you're into that kind of nasty, crazy, trippy body horror stuff, <laughs> this is the book for you. <laughs> Did you read Intersect by Ray Fox? I, I actually didn't. I haven't okay. read that yet. I, I wonder how it compares to that. Maybe I'll have to do like a compare and contrast on this. Yeah. I'll force Tia to do a book versus book episode with me. Um, <laughs> where she'll she'll recommend that one. I'll recommend coming to me and we can you dissect the book. You can't plan her choice, Mike. That's not I know, the point I know. of book versus that's, book. <laughs> okay, that's true. That's true. Um, well, anyways, I'll get into... You'll find out what book versus book is. Actually, in the next two weeks, we're doing a whole episode about that. So you'll hear about it. Um, so let's move on and talk about comics that are coming out very soon. Comic books are dropping on December 19th, 2018. What are you both excited for this week? Let's start with Kate. I'm excited for Super Sun's Omnibus that's coming out. So my shop says it's coming out on the 19th, and Amazon says it's coming out on the 24th. But regardless, this is okay. the complete collected uh, Super Sons by Peter Tomasi and Jorge Hermines. Paul always nails that pronunciation, and I don't. But so it's Superboy and Robin, Damian Wayne's Robin, and collects all of the Super Sons title issues, but also um, all of the issues that were crossovers or annuals. So like Superman 10 and 11 and Teen Titans oh, number nice. 15, the DC Rebirth Holiday Special number one. It is the perfect thing for those like me that fell off early on and want to read it all now that it's done. I, um, when I decided to do grad school, had to cancel my pull list at my shop and have just been reading, you know, sale, digital comics, or stuff from the library, or nothing mm -hmm. at all when I'm way too busy. But right. uh, this was one of those things that I had to stop pulling um, regularly, and so I was really, really re ready for this collected edition to come out. It looks beautiful. Gotcha. I've I've been slowly tracking that book, and I didn't realize there was some crossover stuff. So maybe I'll grab this omnibus just to say I've got it all in one book, so I don't have to go tracking down the individual issues didn't of those. Didn't realize there's crossover stuff. It's DC, of course. There's well, crossover I stuff. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> Wait, quick question. So this is all the new Super Super Sons stuff, like yeah. not the stuff from when was it? 
Did they do this in the 70s? I feel like this is a 70s joint. Uh, yeah, this is. They did it. There was an older edition of Super Sons. This oh, is see, the most that. recent run. Yeah, okay. this is this is the one that started like a year or two ago. Oh, okay. So it's all the new stuff. All the new stuff, which then the Super Sons got canceled, and so now it's the like the complete all that there will ever be until they give us another Super Sons. <laughs> Just wait until the next DC reboot. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I do like the concept of like Batman and Superman grow up and have sons that have friends or, or frenemies or whatever it is in the iterations yeah. that they're in. It's a cute idea. I think it was back from when DC was like, oh, I guess we should be like domestic and stuff. And they can like grow <laughs> up and have families. But then they realize, no, the money is in them being brooding and single. Right. Well, so. the money, I don't know. Fans <laughs> seem to want them to be married. And then they're like, well, we're just going to have Catwoman run away. No, um, <laughs> no not Selena. Leave her alone. Yeah. Just let her be happy. Exactly. Uh, well, Kara, what about you? What are you excited for this upcoming week? Shocking no one, I'm going to pick an Archie title. (laughs) 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 There's a new uh, Betty and Veronica series coming out. And so, okay, I don't know if you guys remember, but a few years ago, Archie made the kind of interesting slash weird move of trying to kickstart their new line. Like they had a Kickstarter that they canceled a couple weeks in, and it was supposed to fund... Jughead, Betty and Veronica, and I think Archie. Yeah. And yeah, I that, was a part of that. I was right. really bummed when they canceled it. <laughs> right. It it was it was like kind of on the heels of the fan the successful Fanographics Kickstarter. So my guess is they saw that and thought, oh well, we can just do that. But it was different because Fanographics was like about to go out of business and Archie was just like, Well, we don't have the money to do this right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you give us the money, then we can do it right now. So it was just like a weird, it was just like weird messaging. So I don't think it caught hold like Fanographics did. But um, so when they were doing that, when they, even though they canceled the Kickstarter, they eventually did roll those books out. And the Betty and Veronica miniseries that they were doing with that was drawn by Adam Hughes. And I just kept thinking, why? Like, they're teenagers. Why are you giving them essentially to this pinup artist to, who's going to like sexualize them? And they tried to yeah. do like some self-aware sexualization jokes, but they fell really flat because you can't say you recognize that what you're doing is weird, but still keep doing it. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't make it okay. So I just yeah. like, I read it, but I was just kind of like, uh. and so with this series, they are, um, they're going with an all, looks like an all-female creative team. Jamie Rotante, Sandra Lance, and Kelly Fitzpatrick. Jamie Rotante did uh, the Betty and Veronica Vixens series, which was reimagining the girls as being part of a biker gang. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she was actually at, she she was at Archie Comics for at the brief time that I was there, and she was always a total sweetheart. So every time I see her name on something, I'm like, yeah, support, support, support. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for Betty and Veronica. It's their senior year, so anything could happen. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh my god get out <laughs> can we please just get Kara to read all of the like synopsis for upcoming issues of Archie comics because that's fantastic <laughs> call me Archie <laughs> oh my god so you're so okay so this is almost enough to convince me if you're saying that the creative team sounds solid to you i'm gonna trust you as our resident archie expert expert so um i trust I, Jamie. I, you know who knows yeah yeah that sounds great um this week i'm excited for deep roots number five this is from vault comics this is dan waters and val rodriguez on art dan waters on writing this book is super trippy and it's I'm apparently really into this kind of stuff. The art is out of this world with colors and just bright flashes of light and everything. Um, The way that I described it is this is a trippy book and I like that a lot. What is time? What is space? How does the universe protect itself? After four issues of abstract everything, we're finally coming to a conclusion, I think. Um, I know that this is the last issue, 
But the way that the story's been building, I feel like it's going to lead end with a really strong cliffhanger. I don't know if there's more story to be told, but there is something to be said about like mind-bending stories that end with an abstract ending that kind of make you just think versus this is how we wrapped everything up with a nice bow. And I think that the way that Deep Roots has developed itself as a story definitely lends to that kind of ending. So I'm really excited just to read through the rest of this book. And honestly, I think I'm going to do a full reread before I read the last issue because there's kind of a lot of threads to bring together for this last issue. And I'm not sure that I fully have them all grasped. I'll be completely honest. But on the whole, I've very much been liking this. Kind of reminds me of what Warren Ellis was doing with trees in a weird way, but in a bigger sense, there's a lot of dimension hopping, multiple character perspectives, and there is this weird forest knight with a big old sword that is somehow relevant to everything, and I think it's going to finally come to fruition as to what he's actually doing in the story. Um, and again, maybe I missed it and I know what he's doing, but I just am not able to keep track of the threads. Nonetheless, I'm liking this book quite a bit. I'm, I'm always willing to try Vault Comics books because they're doing really out there stuff, and I really enjoy that. I don't know if either of you have been reading vault books, but they've been doing some cool stuff. I mean, this is where Heathen's at. This is a I couple was going to say, can, what, what other comics are they putting out? They just put out a book called Fearscape. Um, Tia did a review for us very recently about that. Um, and if I pull up their site, I know I'm not supposed to use my computer, but they're doing, they did Submerged, Vagrant Queen, Friendo, Wasted Space, um, Reactor, Deep Roots is on the list. Um, and they've done a bunch of other stuff too, but they've got some pretty interesting out there comics. I know Fearscape is getting a lot of really good reviews. Friendo is supposedly like the book to read right now, and I haven't checked it out yet. Um, as far as like these, you know, indie books are considered. Um, but yeah, that's they've been doing some really good stuff. I the Vault guys are very very nice. Tia always recommends them whenever you know they're brought up in conversation. So mm -hmm. yeah, Deep Roots definitely give that book a shot if you want something that's kind of out there. Okay, definitely. For our show this week, it is a Goodreads Book of the Month book, and we're discussing Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. But before we get into the discussion, I want to remind everyone that we have a listener survey going on right now. You can win $15 to Comixology if you go to ircvpodcast.com slash survey. Fill out the survey. Let us know what you think of the show. Give us some information about what you like, what you don't like. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll put you in the raffle to win $15. But let's talk about Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. The Goodreads folks, the fantastic people over at Goodreads in our group voted, and this is the winner for this month. Four Kids Walk Into a Bank by Tyler Boss, Matt Rosenberg, and Thomas Maurer. This book was fantastic. I'm, I'm super biased. I love this book to death. So, Kate, Kara, I want to hear what you guys thought of this book before I just go into a huge love fest. I'm here for the love fest. I got a combination of Plutona and Hawkeye vibes reading this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of, a lot of, uh, like that, that vibe of art and atmosphere and kids being awesome in their punk ways. A little bit of, a. Uh, paper girls in here too in terms mm -hmm. of tone and i don't know i just in in my head all of those art styles and color palettes are all in the same kind of vein definitely yeah i haven't read plutona but i want to especially if you're telling me that it's along these same lines of added to your list perfect yeah, okay yeah. done everything about this from i'm, I'm glad that i read this in book form because there were a lot of interesting layouts and double page spreads that I appreciated just having large in front of me. I got mm -hmm. lost on this one spread that was um, one of the characters' progressions through the police computer system, but I'm getting oh, ahead yeah. of myself. Let's yeah. uh, actually, it's a full spoiler episode, by the way. I never remember ever <laughs> in my entire yeah, life no. to remind people full spoilers, but we are going full spoilers on this book, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I almost screenshotted like every cool diagram from this book and put it in our show notes just because Tyler Voss is the man and his work is in fucking credible. I just, I just, oh, I love it so much. So the premise of this book is pretty simple. It kind of says it in the title. It's four kids walk into the bank. It's these four kids who are on the age of like 10 and 11 who discover that one of their dads is involved in a 
an impending bank heist, so they decide to rob the bank first so the dad can't get in trouble. Classic kid shenanigans. Yeah, classic. (laughs) Well, and see, that was one of the things that I thought was so clever, is like, if you had introduced that premise in the first issue, I would have been like, that's completely unbelievable. That just makes no sense. But by the point that they did, you're like a third of the way through the series, and we'd already seen Paige get arrested for breaking a kid's nose, and we watched her set a man and his house on fire, both when Mm -hmm. there were other solutions available. And so by the time that she's like, yeah, obviously we have to rob the bank first, you're like, this is the exact kind of thing she'd come up with. Definitely. Well, what's interesting about this is that it's we've got four main characters page stretch berger and walter and page is kind of our main character with stretch berger and walter kind of being side characters but they all form a group to do shenanigans and of course this comic opens on a DD game so i was immediately hooked and each subsequent issue at least the first couple of issues open on them playing some sort of game and it keeps reminding you like these are kids this is what they do they also happen to get into high-stakes shenanigans that involve robbing a candy store, or in the case of this book, robbing a fucking bank. And it, it just goes to show, like, Paige as a character is is so much more mature than maybe the rest of the people that she's around, even more mature than her father in some ways. But she's also got, like, this weird childhood innocence where she's always kind of relating it back to a game. Like, all games have strategies, and this is just how you win. Um, and that kind of seems to be her character throughout. Well, at least that's what I took away from it. Well, yeah, and I mean that uh, what you just said about all the issues open with a game to remind you that they're kids, it kind of makes you wonder, did they sort of view the heist as a game also? And I think yes, because full spoilers, the book kind of ends with the cops like chasing down these kids and they're like their argument is we're just kids but then you see Paige ends up in prison anyway so it's like maybe they didn't fully realize like I think they did to some extent but I think a huge part of it was it was a game it was like right yeah we, yeah, we can do this we can totally do this yeah yeah I, that was the impression that I got that was that kind of childhood naivete of and that was the point of starting it all each issue with a different game, um, like video games and whatnot, because you're seeing them all constantly interacting th- in game, in games, and then basically taking that to the outside world and trying mm-hmm. to get the same results. I guess I don't know. Um, well, it seems like the the fallback for them is like we can try anything, right? Right, because we're just kids. And nothing's really going to happen to us because we're just kids, right? And then at the end of the at the end of the story, like that's absolutely not the case. But even throughout the beginning issues, like the first five or few issues, you know, they they do all of these like kind of high stakes things, you know, like breaking into a house or putting together like a chemical compound that makes someone tell the truth, <laughs> you know, like they're doing these things in like kind of a wacky Goonies way. And But by the end, you're kind of expecting the same outcome where, like, at the end of the heist or whatever that happens, no real consequences befall them. Even though, you know, yes, Paige did go to jail, but that's even then, that's played off as, like, a joke. Like, her uncle shows up and she says... That was my question. Whoa. Did he well, did that's... he die or did he just kind of fall out with the gang because he was like, nope, I, I was shot. You guys are shitty friends. Goodbye. Oh, I, I took away from the end of that, that that he died. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that was the, even though at the end everyone's smiling, it seems like I think that that was the, the consequence that she needed to see, as harsh as it was, that like your actions have severe consequences, especially when they're at the level at which you're playing at. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that in the games we see, you're frequently seeing one of the kids dying in game, right? That their character mm-hmm. dies and is going to get regenerated or something. And yeah. that then the comic is ending with one of them dying for real and, oh, this is actually real. You don't get to come back from this. Um, yeah. It's not a game. But on the other hand, I don't know if the other two boys would have still been there for her when she got out yeah. if he died. Oh, that's a like, good point. Yeah. Like, would they still, like, be there and want to be her friend if he'd been shot? Yeah. Or did they ha- or did he die? But it's been a long enough time where they have forgiven her and forgiven themselves a little bit. Like, I, I really like the ambiguity of that. Yeah, and I think the ambiguity is what's really going to drive it drives the conversation about right. this book is at the end of the day like you don't necessarily think that this is Paige's fault, 
at least I didn't think it was Paige's fault. Like, yes, she put together the heist, but the actual thing where, where you know, Berger gets shot, like, that was kind of Berger's fault. Like, he jumped on that cop. Yeah. Like, everything kind of happens in, like, a really quick succession where you can't really say it's the cop's fault. You can't really say that it's Berger's fault. You can't really say that it's Paige's fault. Like, all of these things are really happenstance, but they are a consequence of poor planning right. and them being kids. Yeah, impulsivity. Yeah, and, and Paige's whole spiel is they always get into a plan and then she, they go, what happens next? And she goes, I didn't think this far right. ahead. <laughs> over and over and over. Yeah. But, I, you know, it's it's very, like, interesting to see that the first issue foreshadows the end of the book, right, where Berger jumps on the back of the dragon. He's like, I didn't know you could do that. Oh, I didn't and, even think oh. of that. And then at the end, that's exactly what he does. He's like, I can just get on the back of this thing and everything will be okay. But obviously not. Yeah. I I like that. Like, I really liked Berger. Like, he's so obnoxious. Oh, my God. Like, uh, who among us didn't have a Berger in their friend group growing up? Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, that was the thing I took away is that these kids feel like stupid fucking kids. Yeah, they're kids I <laughs> well, knew. Like, you know, yeah. The, yeah. The part where... Berger, like, they're, like, trying to make plans without him, and he just bursts in. He's like, oh, it sounds like you guys are making a plan without me. Where are we meeting up? And I just was like, man, that, like, desperate need for inclusion mm-hmm. coupled with absolutely no shame and in inviting yourself along, like, mm-hmm. ugh. <laughs> so, well, you know, there's so many people over the years who are like that. Yeah. But I think the the thing to take that I took away from that was, that although he wasn't invited and Paige was trying to make these plans without him, she didn't necessarily, like, throw a fit that he was coming. She didn't say, no, you can't come, Berger. She's just like, oh, my God, Berger's coming. And they constantly harp on the, you weren't even invited, you know, but they never stop him from coming. You know, they realize that, yes, he's still our friend, even though we kind of don't like him sometimes. There's just yeah. a bunch of shitty friends all around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, there's also that. <laughs> I really like uh, Walter, too. Oh, oh, Walter. Such a shy sweetie. He's such a Sweet shy baby sweetie. Walter. I love the the visual effect of his eyes getting big and shiny for all the times when he shines, <laughs> like when he's talking about chemistry or math, and his eyes yeah. get all big. And I'm like, oh, yes. But then coupled with the lettering choice of making all his dialogue minuscule. So tiny. Oh, my God. He's talking. Oh, the, lettering the matters. Part where, the part where... Uh, he's on the microphone and he's trying to talk to, or he's on the walkie talkie he's trying to talk to the cops and they're like did a mouse just speak? <laughs> <laughs> oh man there was so many just choice little jokes throughout this like there was a moment in i think it was the second issue maybe the third issue where they're playing arcade games and berger borrowed a quarter from someone and the quarter debate <laughs> stretch is yeah. like th- that was my quarter and he's like how do you recognize a quarter <laughs> I have to say, so I was I was on the episode we we did a while back about sound effects, and my stance was I never noticed them, but oh, I so noticed all the sound effects in this book because once yeah. I, it was like I think in the first issue, I think Walter vomits yeah. and they've just been drinking soda, and the sound effect is Fanta, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and oh I God. like did a double take and I was like, wait, what the fuck? And then for the rest of the book, I made a point to pay attention to the sound effects because they were all so great like when Berger is evading the cops by like jumping on a trampoline over a barbed wire fence and the sound effect is fuck you (laughs) (laughs) I like the one where he's getting hit in the head by the kickball that the jocks threw and it just says jocks (laughs) yeah the 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 part where Berger is distracting the cops and he throws an egg and it hits the guy in the face and the sound effect is yolked There's so many. I mean, this book is full of little fun details. And again, you got to credit Tyler Boss mm-hmm. and um, Thomas Maurer. Pa- Thomas Maurer did the lettering for this book. The two of those guys working together to frame some of this stuff is unparalleled. Like, it, again, I think Kate, or excuse me, Kara, you said this reminds you a lot of Hawkeye. And I feel a lot of that as well. Tyler Boss's line work and a lot of the way that he just does layouts feels very similar to David Aha. And like, that is totally like a credit to the both of them. They both do stupendous work um so again if you're into that definitely check out this book as as that part um did did you notice that when Paige is giving walter the book to make the like sleeping gas from it is wartime chemistry a beginner's guide oh my god i did not notice <laughs> I did that, not see that. 
That is very good. I enjoyed that detail. And then the librarian comes up. She's like, that's for seniors only. I'm like, who the fuck is giving 18-year-olds wartime chemistry to read? <laughs> right. See, but and that that's like a, a kind of a commentary on when this book takes place, which feels like mid-80s. Like, it just mm-hmm. feels like an 80s comic. Floppy um, disks. When are floppy disks? Oh, that'd be late 80s then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Solidly there was 90s, a, yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe early nineties. Um, yeah, there was a lot of just little things in this, like moments between characters. There was like the couple pages where it was just back and forth, and it was just faces for like a two-page spread. Mm-hmm. Like, talk about a cool way to have a conversation um, and minimize the amount of art that has to be drawn. Um, that's also one way of doing that. But one of the dialogue pieces that really got me in this book um, was Paige's dad picks her up at school. Um, and she'd been fighting and she's like, why are you lashing out at these guys? And she says, he teased me about mom and there's a beat and he says, you should have fucking killed him. Like he totally justifies Paige's rage, um, because he knows that the death of her mom was probably the biggest and worst thing that's ever happened to her. And obviously like that response means that he doesn't, he feels the exact same way. Like that loss is massive to the two of them, um, which explains a lot of pages acting out and kind of drives into this, you know, backstory of pages dad, where we don't really know too much about him, but we know that he made a lot of sacrifices in order to make sure that page had a decent life. Um, And there's a lot of story that's not told that I took away from this on a second reread. This is the second or third time I've read this. Um, just around the two of them, like their relationship is incredibly complex. Uh, I really appreciated that. Like the, they didn't have to tell a lot of story for you to understand how strong their connection was. Yeah. That he's willing to do just about anything to make sure that they can stay together and that he can provide for her. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, like kids kind of internalize the voices of their parents when usually when you have that impulse of like, I could punch this guy in the face. They had that internalized voice of the parents going like, or you could, you know, say that you didn't like what he said and or tell a teacher or whatever. Whereas we get that. I love when she's in the cupboard in the house hiding and there you get the devil on her shoulder. Right. With the you know, like you could stab him. And then the angel pops out and the angel's like. You're smart and resourceful, Paige. Light him on fire. <laughs> and you're like, who are your parents? Yeah. Well, that was Walter. That Walter was her little angel on her shoulder. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. Was it really? Yeah. The more I think about her actions, though, the more I'm just kind of taken aback by how unbelievably reckless she is. Like, I, I was thinking again about the first issue where these like 30 something year old like bank ro- bank robbers to be show up at Paige's house mm-hmm. and like I'm just thinking okay how would I as an 11 year old have reacted to all of a sudden four strange scary looking dudes showing up in my house I would have like freaked the fuck out like not said anything like started slowly backing away like maybe try to yeah. find a phone going like mom or something like that right, and, you'd and this, yelling for a parent and this little punk is just getting up in their faces and her boy squad is backing her up by like shooting one of the dudes in the eye with a slingshot and an ogre <laughs> figure and I'm just like this kid has zero self-preservation instincts. Like mm-hmm. how like how do you get to the point where you just don't give a fuck like this in the way that she does because every single thing she does and says in this book is just zero self-preservation, zero uh internalization of the consequences. Just basically the opposite to me in every possible way. So the more I think about it, the more I'm just like how <laughs> like are you okay? Yeah, well, and to that end, I know some people have talked about that not feeling accurate. So Robert on the Goodreads discussion thread said something just felt off about it throughout the story. On the one hand, it seems to be trying to seems to try to be a realistic story, no monsters, superpowers, fantasy, etc. But so much of what the kids do is so unrealistic, and he feels like he missed something. And I think that's kind of. It is so extreme that I could see where it might read um, as just completely unbelievable, especially if you didn't know any kids that were that level of impulsive in Reckless. Yeah. I, I mean, I, again, this part of me like reads into the context maybe too much, but I think, you know, Paige's 
ability to just do things without thinking is kind of her it's her like acting out yeah in a way. for sure right like she's got this rough home life and it's that's made pretty apparent yep you know um her dad's not making her lunch things like that which isn't necessarily a like it's one of the many signs that she doesn't have a good home life and you know kids like that to play into tropes and stereotypes like tend to act out in a lot of weird ways and so her doing that kind of stuff is maybe an excuse um to say like you know she has this bad home life so she's acting out but i think to robert's point there are some things that feel a little bit super fantastic like not like anybody grows wings and flies away but these kids get away with a lot but it's in the same way that kids get away with a lot in like the home alone movies right. or the goonies or something like that you kind of get add a little bit of movie magic to it and then this movie this story becomes a little bit more understandable but i do understand his point about it being a super realistic story but there just happens to be some kind of super elements to it where these kids are able to get away with a lot and plan a lot and know a lot of things, um, probably more so than like a normal or, you know, real life 10 or 11 year old kid would probably know. Yeah. Well, and like Walter's unsupervised in a chemistry lab at his school, like that just doesn't yeah. happen. I think it felt very like Goonies to me in that sense where it's like, yeah, this isn't real world, but it's just kind of a stretch. It's maybe how kids see the real world sometimes. Sure. Sure. I can do anything. It's kind <laughs> I mean, of that's like the, the dream. I know. It's kind of like in the Peanuts comics. Like you never actually see a grown up. And yeah. in the shows, they're just going wah, 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 wah. This is very like unless the kids choose to interact with grown ups, they're kind of in their own world. Yeah. Yeah. They're very unsupervised. Well, except for that one time that teacher came into what was it like the boys bathroom when they were beating up turd. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah turd <laughs> or when he was beating them up <laughs> it's just that whole reveal of like his mom being the manager at the bank and having chosen to name him turgel yeah. oh like, yeah it's and, a family name and she just and, and Paige just like almost broke character for her infiltration it was just like what the fuck would you do that for explain <laughs> like, <laughs> so much it did feel very like coming of age in that sense too with that whole um, trope of like realizing your parents aren't who you thought they were and finding out more about your parents from like before you existed and just not just your experience of them in the same way mm -hmm. that like Snowblind did and gave oh, okay. me echoes of that in that probably that same like realizing your parent was your dad was a criminal but I think that's pretty yeah. pretty classic. And I think that some of the, like, the interactions, w again, with Paige and her dad seems like maybe she's a little bit too young for him to be treating her like a, like an yes. adult in some ways. Like, he doesn't parent her very well. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and not to say that parents should be controlling, but parents need to have some restraint on children. And that's that's what you typically see in real life. And I think that his, his like, hey, you're just one of the, you know, one of my buds kind of thing, maybe... It was to her detriment right like she was given too much freedom and therefore she was able to make a lot of mistakes that most kids wouldn't um like having free reign to skip school or go to school and skip around and do whatever even when she gets in trouble he kind of just shrugs it off he's like oh you're grounded for forever but he still lets her sneak out and hang out with her friends constantly saying hey don't you know what grounded means and she just and they just move on from that right. like she doesn't truly respect his authority and i mean or this maybe have consequences. Whole, yeah, and she doesn't have she doesn't see any consequences for her actions. Um, yeah, and I again that's like the story behind the story that's not necessarily said directly to you, but that's what I read into it in a lot of ways. Well, and you do mostly see she's getting you see the adults when she gets their attention by doing something like acting out, like her mm -hmm. um her uncle or her dad. It's in response to something crazy she did. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, so what did you get? So, <laughs> Berger, um, biggest shithead friend. Um, <laughs> I know we kind of already talked about him, but I just could not get over the fact of just how much he didn't seem to take anything seriously. Um, and, like, that ends up kind of being, like, the, the big crux at the end is that he, he, nobody taking anything as serious as it was. Like, I felt Stretch and Walter were really, like, I don't know if we should be doing this. And Berger's like, I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> and Paige is just trying to save her dad in the only way that she apparently can come up with. Um, like, it, it's, 
I don't know, it's really interesting to see their friend dynamic kind of play out as the story goes through, and they all end up turning on her and then coming back in the end. Um, and that's kind of one of those things that maybe despite everything, whether or not you know we could actually come to a decision of whether Berger died or not, um, like the end goal is that their friendship was bigger than the one single or handful of times that they fucked up together. Yeah. Like they were still good friends despite all of that. Um, yeah, Kate mentioned on the Goodreads discussion, Kate from our podcast team, Kate, but not this Kate. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the queen speaks of herself in third person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she said uh, she appreciated how all the characters and their relationships to one another were distinctly different, which I think is another interesting point about their friend group. It's like it's very cohesive, and yet all of their interactions with one another are distinct. And I like that. Yeah, the way they, they talk to each other is for the most part, pretty different. Yeah. Like, everyone treats Berger like a piece of that, shit, but, yeah. like, that's understandable. But, like, I think Paige has a lot of patience for Walter, um, and or in, in some cases, um, or she trusts him to take on big tasks and be like, I know you're not going to fuck this up. I can leave you to do this very complicated thing. You know, I think there was, like, a weird hinted at budding relationship between Stretch and Paige, or maybe I read that wrong. Um so their interactions are kind of weird um, in some cases where I think Stretch is realizing, oh, Paige is a girl and I don't know how to deal with that. Um, that's the that's the most yeah. 12-year-old thing ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's really good. I think like their their whole circle of friends is really interesting. It's very dynamic mm-hmm. and it gives a lot of life to the well, story. It gives depth to the friendships too because that is how a friend group is, you know. And I um Kate also pointed out that there's some non-traditional gender expressions in that in Paige and Walter that is refreshing and that usually the, you know, reckless aggressive rule breaker kid isn't a girl and the le- the ling re- ringleader, you know, is usually a guy. So mm-hmm. I like that too. I found that um, appealing. Yeah. I liked how they used her hair to show how rough and tumble she is sometimes. Oh my gosh. So yeah. good. I mean, there was a lot of panels that just showed so much like emotion. Like I screen capped one of them that like I said, this is the realest fucking panel in the comic um, in our notes. I'll put it in, in the show notes somewhere somehow. But man, it like broke my heart to see Paige like breaking down. Yeah, and the thing where they're, like, planning it with their childhood toys of, like, a My Little Pony is a bank customer, <laughs> yeah. and, like, oh, that, oh my God, that's the the kiddest way to plan a bank robbery. Holy crap. But then they were, like, on top of that, they were arguing about why a horse would be in a bank. Right. And I'm, like, but, <laughs> yeah. but like, you know that you're using these as avatars for people, so why are you arguing over the semantics of it being a horse? <laughs> so. Yeah. And they were talking about like the bank tellers were Legos and they're like, what if them's dead? What the hell is that? <laughs> what if <laughs> like... doesn't even have a face? <laughs> <laughs> but that just kind of adds to, do they do they know that this is the real world well, or is this still just a game? Yeah, right. I think that's more of the, like, they're, they're still playing. They're still goofing. They're still, you know, being children. Mm-hmm. Even when it's about to hit the fan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I love this book. I just <laughs> just to say that. Um, so I guess I I don't know. Do you guys have any final thoughts about the book? I mean, we're kind of running out of tape. Unless you guys had more you wanted to dive into in a specific bit of the book. Yeah, I guess while I was reading it, I was wondering um, for most of the book how this related to your own experience of robbing a bank as a child, Mike. Oh, uh, if you could share. Okay, I said that to you in private oh shit i'm so um, sorry <laughs> xander cut that yeah <laughs> did you what did you guys think of this book overall like is this a book you'd recommend you want to read again or um yeah give me your, some of your overall thoughts i loved it rated five star on goodreads immediately told xander that he has to read the copy that i had borrowed from kate for this episode before i give it back um okay probably i'm gonna buy my own copy once not all my money is going to textbooks, which are an outrageous racket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I really, really liked it. Cool. Kara, what about you? Yeah, it's good. I, I really enjoyed it. I got totally swept up in the adventure. And uh, I know I've said this before. I'll say it again. Sometimes I forget to look at art because my eye is naturally drawn to the words. But this one, like I was taking my time to 
look at the panels and see what was going on. And a lot of that was because they made a lot of artistic choices that made you pay attention. Like if only to think, wait, what's really happening here? Like there's this one page where they're um, bouncing up where a page is talking to the boys, but like all of a sudden you see their feet and then their head and then they're, and you're like, wait, I was like, are they on a, are they on like a really elaborate seesaw? Like what's happening? And then you pan back and you see they're on a trampoline and I'm like, aha. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That was very good. I, yeah. yeah. The other thing is just reading these for the book of the month discussions. That's one of my favorite things about doing these book of the months with the Goodreads group is that it makes me really slow down because I'm the same way where I tend to read the words and read the story um, and analyze maybe the same way that I think about things as I'm reading a book and kind of, divorce myself from the artistic components just because I'm so much more used to reading the written word. And I right. really like that the these discussions really make you kind of slow down and think about what the artist is doing, what is the letterer doing, and that kind of how everything fits together. Definitely. I mean, as I've said, love this book to death. Um, I will say, if you're going to read this book and you get it digitally, if you buy it on Comixology, don't read it in guided view. Absolutely, it is a sin to read this book in guided view. Full um, page. If only because, honestly, you read full page. Read it if you read it on Hoopla. Go buy a physical copy of this book. You need to be able to see every single page constantly, like because a lot of the actual context of what's being discussed and what's happening on the page happens in the art. Like this is definitely one of those books where the art is telling the story yeah. as much, if not more than the actual dialogue and captions. So if you read this, definitely, like at least do full page open, or like if you read it on Hoopla, like I don't know if they have like a panel view thing, but um, definitely make sure you're seeing the full page when you're reading this. Because I I started reading this in, in guided view, and I was like, whoa, I'm missing so much context. Because when I first read it, I read it in hardcover, and I read it in my single issues and stuff. Um, and I didn't remember it being so jarring, and I had to switch to full page view just to see everything. Um, and that's definitely gonna help. I'll just say that. but. On the whole, I fucking love this book. This is the most beautiful comic I've read in like the last few years. I highly recommend it to pretty much anyone who wants to get into comics but doesn't want to read superhero books. Fuck Saga. Fuck Walking Dead. Whoa. Fuck Why the Last Whoa. Man. Whoa. We just kids lost walk into half the read- listenership. Whoa. Listen, all, Whoa. This is what I'm, what I'm saying is those books are great, but if you want something short and sweet, this is the perfect book to give people. That's true. This would make an amazing Christmas present because it is a one Absolutely. I mean, those other books are great. Like, don't get me wrong. Great comics out there. But if you need something short and sweet that's to the point, I recommend this one all the time because it's a weird out there book that shows that comics are more than just capes. And it does such a great job telling the story with art and and writing. And it's just such a well-crafted book. I can't get over it. (laughs) That's me. I don't know. Um, So to wrap up this show, let's do some credits because this is the last episode of the year. Don't forget to take the survey. I'm going to remind you again, ircbpodcast.com slash survey. But if you want to follow us through the end of the year, see what we're talking about, about comics and all that stuff, you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Kate at Kate Scotchlist. You can follow Kara at Kzam or Karazam. I, I, it's it's going to be in the show notes. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. You can follow the show at IRCB Podcast, where we retweet all sorts of comic things and respond to people. And I get in internet fights about what comic cred should be. Oh I did that God. today. Uh, join us on our goodreads group for weekly discussion threads right now we've been talking about uh, gaming and comics because of the start of this book having that and also die number one being really into gaming and comics we're also right now um asking for ideas for coming up with our 2019 book of the month theme schedule so if you have any ideas of kind of themes you'd like then we'd love to hear it uh you can also find us at ircbpodcast.com and the pronunciation guide and merch is up there as well rate and subscribe us to get us more listeners and better rankings because apple owns the world and <laughs> i do you rate and subscribe on other services i don't even know oh yeah everywhere okay. you can rate and subscribe on pretty much any platform where we are so go do that and actually you can listen to this show on your amazon alexa if you have one of those echo things you can just say like listen to i read comic books and i'm pretty sure we show up and it'll just start playing the latest episode Whew. that's something that someone told me the other day that's banana pants 
Awesome. You can email us at ircb at destroythesibe.org. And you can subscribe on Patreon at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast for exclusive audio and articles, early access to top of my pile posts and more. I just wrote a thing for that, didn't I? Are the, yes, uh, do, you did. Do Patre- it was amazing. Oh, thank you. Do Patreon uh, backers have access to back matter content if it's been posted before yeah. they... All right. Yeah, so we so we also post the show notes up there. If you want to see our raw show notes, you can also check out the Patreon and back us at the a certain tier, and you'll get access to all of our show notes every week when the show goes up. Um, Infinity Shred does all the music for our show. Best band in the universe, hands down. Thank you for letting us use your music, guys. You're the best. Xander, cool guy. No. Extra cool no. editor. Giver of germs. Typhoid Mary. <laughs> of germs. <laughs> he edits the show. He's fantastic. When it comes to editing, we'll just say that. <laughs> uh, I'll say thank you to Kara and Kate for being on the show this week. Kate, welcome back. I'm super excited to have you back on the show regularly. Thank you very much. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you to everyone who reaches out to us. A lot of people have been emailing and tweeting at us, and like it warms my heart so much. Keep doing that. It's so awesome to interact with you guys. So until next time, read some great comics. I hope the last part of your year is fantastic, and we will see you in 2019.